Some of the lyrics to that song, Beautiful Things, are in front of you. I wonder if my life could ever change at all. Could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come up from this ground at all? And then you make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things out of us. Now I've got to ask you, do you think that that could really be true? Do you think that's true of your own life? That God is ready and able to make something beautiful out of your life, to take whatever is in your past, to forgive it, and to make something beautiful out of your future. You've got to know this message, that he is ready to do that, is at the heart of the message in this Bible. It's called good news from God. Sometimes you've heard it gospel, but it's just good news from God. And it's very personal. And the message at Easter has to be God is ready to come into your life and make something beautiful out of it. And that's what I want to talk about. That's a good message for Easter, don't you think? For so many months here at Lake Avenue Church, we've been in a series that we call Turning Points. What I've wanted to do is to look at stories first in the Bible of people whose lives have been pretty messed up, sometimes hopeless, and how God stepped into people's lives and it turned their lives around so that they were never again the same. But I knew us here in Southern California, I knew that many would come to church and say, well, those are just the stories in the Bible. So at the same time as having all these Bible stories, we've been telling week by week by week our own stories of what God is doing in our lives. And younger people and older people, people from all sorts of backgrounds, have been saying, this is the way my life was and then I met God, and it's changed it, that, that what you saw was sort of a summary of those things. If you will look at these um, blue boxes all around the campus, all around the campus, you'll see hundreds of people right here and now in Southern California who have been just saying, this is the way my life was. And now God is beginning to do something new. He's beginning to make something beautiful out of my life. What we're trying to say is that God still is. And that this message is real, that God makes beautiful things out of people who turn to him and bring him into our lives. And today, on Easter Sunday 2012, I just want to tell you, Easter is the key to this transformed life. The Easter message is sort of the climax of this good news message of the Bible in which God says, I love people. Even though people turned away from God, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, God declared early on, I love people and I'm ready to do something, to do away with the wrongs of your past, and to come again into your life and to make something beautiful about it. And God came in the person of Jesus. Uh, you probably know the story, and perhaps you don't. Jesus came and was born in a miraculous way, and then he lived life the way that God meant for life to be lived. He lived the life we should live, but none of us lives that way. And out of his love for us, he was willing to die on the cross. Good Friday, that's what we remember. Out of his love for us, the only sinless one was willing to say, I'll take your place. And whatever punishment is there that's necessary for your evil, I'm willing to bear it. 
But the beautiful thing that we remember today as we gather on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, is that the evil of this world could not hold him. Even death could not hold him. And he is risen. He is risen indeed. So the thing I want to say is, when you come to church on Easter, it should be something very personal to you. It's not just about the fact that there is a God or that there's a power in this world greater than the evil and the death of this world. It is about that. But, but it's much more about this, that you and I can connect to this God. That He can actually step into our lives and, and make things different. Um, what is it like? It's no perfect illustration. Sometimes I think it's, it's, it's like electricity. We know we have that great power out there. Um, we can't see it. But for it to do us any good, we have to connect to it somehow. Now, because I'm not a Caltech engineer, I can't really explain it. All I know, I have to connect to it by turning on that switch. And when I connect to it, then suddenly the darkness has turned into light. And what I'm saying is that in this world, God really is. He's not just out there. He's ready to come into our lives, but we have to connect to him. How do you connect to God so that beautiful things can begin to happen? And Christians have always said it's by faith. But what is faith? Is it just believing that it's true? The Bible lets us know that the faith that the Bible talks about is is something much more than that. It's seeing that it's true. And it is a surrender of trust. It is saying, here are my sins, will you take them? And he does, and cast them as far as east is from the west. And here is my present and my future. I give it to you. And I'm telling you, when he takes it, he doesn't ruin our lives. He begins to make beautiful things out of the dust. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Uh, What is this faith like? Well, I'll tell you the phrase that I'm using for it. I think it's even the title of the sermon, Resurrection Faith. Resurrection Faith. I want to set that aside from just this sort of believing that it's true. And today we're going to be looking at this text that uh, Angela and, uh, and Kelly read so wonderfully for us in John chapter 20. I think it explains resurrection faith more clearly than any other place in the Bible. Uh, it takes place after Jesus is resurrected. So the, the grave where he'd been placed is empty. And then we have four people that we meet. All of them believed in God. All of them also knew something about Jesus, in fact, a lot about Jesus. But none of them, when we meet them at the beginning of John 20, was truly alive to God. They weren't connected. And by the time we get to the end of John chapter 20, they're alive. What's happened? Well, let's look at them. First of all, Mary, Mary Magdalene, uh, her turning point is in verses 1 and 2, and then it's taken up again in verses 10 to 18. Mary Magdalene and her family, they were among the closest friends of Jesus. I don't, do you know anything about Mary's story? Uh, she had had a time when her life was absolutely seized by evil. She needed to be set free. There were things she couldn't break from, and then Jesus came in. And he set her free. It is a great story. And she had become his follower. And so the point I'm making is this. Uh, She believed in God. Mary did. She knew a lot about Jesus. 
And like all the people who'd spent time with Jesus, she had heard him say, I think on many occasions, now let me tell you my destiny. Let me tell you what's going to happen to me. And Jesus repeatedly would say this, a time is coming in my life when I'm going to be seized, I'm going to be handed over to the authorities, they're going to mock me, they're going to kill me. But after the third day, I will rise again. He'd said this over and over again. Now, I got to, that last part, I've got to tell you again. He had said to them, after I die, after the third day, I will rise again. All right. Mary had seen it all happen, just like Jesus had said. Jesus had been betrayed. He'd been seized. He'd been mocked. He had been, been put on the cross. He had died in that crucifixion. And she goes to the tomb after the third day. It's all happened just like Jesus said. And when she got to the tomb, what did she see? She saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. And she looked inside and there was no body there. What would you imagine Mary will say? Surely she's going to say, Hey, this is just like Jesus promised. He's done it. He's risen. And all of us would say, He is risen indeed. Right? That's what happens. That's what happens. No, 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 no. Mary runs off to Peter and John and the disciples and she says, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put his body. But Mary, it wasn't even a possibility that, that he had been taken away. See, when, when I read this, it's so clear to me. That Mary was like so many of us, she believed in a God, but she was not yet connected to him. She really knew a lot about Jesus, but she wasn't alive to who he was. Now, I love beginning with verse 10. I wish I could take a long time with this, but you won't give me a lot of time. You want to get to Easter lunch, I know. So I'll just tell you they're really good. How does God, how does Jesus treat people? when we're unbelieving and we're just so dense does he mock her does he reject her and I love it uh, he comes up to her and as she sees him she thinks he's the gardener did you take the body away <laughs> she says and then he just says her name Mary he knew her name sometimes people have said we don't really know who we are until we know that God knows our name and he loves us. He treated her with such patience, such tenderness, such love, same way he treats us because he knows our name too. Did you know that? He knows your name. He knows what's in your past. And uh, as he says her name, suddenly her eyes are opened and she believes in him. Her life is never the same. This is resurrection faith. Beginning to make beautiful things out of her life. Now, that was a woman, of course. And men, I see a lot of us here. Surely men won't be this dense, right? <laughs> Why do I see scoffing looks on all the women's faces? <laughs> Let's see Thomas and his turning point. Begins in verse 24. In case we only think that it's women who will be blind to what should have been obvious, the, the case of Thomas is even worse. He was one of the 12 apostles. He had been with Jesus far more than even Mary had been with Jesus. 
He'd seen Jesus' miracles over and over and over. He'd even seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He had heard him say again and again, I'm going to be seized. I'm going to be handed over to the authorities. They will mock me and they will kill me. But after the third day, I will rise again. Now, Jesus had appeared to the other disciples before we meet Thomas. And they had come to Thomas and said, we have seen the Lord. Now, what does Thomas say about that? Surely, I mean, Thomas is going to say something like this. Wow. Jesus always did tell us the truth. And it's happened just like he said it's going to happen. Just what he said. It's transpired. He is risen. He is risen indeed. No, 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 no. Just look at this. Jesus comes about a week later to Thomas. And Thomas, the skeptic, had said, I'll tell you, men, I'm not going to believe that. And unless I see the nail marks in his hand and even put my finger in there, because I could be being deceived, you know, I've got to make sure this is real, not fabricated. And unless I can see that place where the spear went into his side and put my hand into it, I'm not going to believe any of that nonsense. And so Jesus comes. How does he, how does he treat Thomas? I, I love men. You've got to know, Jesus was as patient and loving with Thomas as he had been with Mary. He comes to him and he says, Thomas, you old doubter, you, <laughs> come up here. Put your fingers in my nail marks. Come, put your hand in my side. Thomas, stop doubting. Simply believe. But by this time, the coin had dropped for Thomas. He'd already believed. He didn't have to touch anything. He just fell on his knees. And he said, my Lord and my God. And his life was never the same. Do you know what he did? We have a lot of people in our church from India. He went all the way to India because he had to tell everybody about who Jesus was. They still have churches that were founded there in southern India, the Martoma churches, the St. Thomas Church, because his life was changed and he was never, never again the same. Is this clear? Do you see it? In Mary and in Thomas, we see people so much like ourselves. A lot of people, scholars try to say, well, people back in the ancient world, they were gullible and they would believe anything. I'm telling you, these were people just like you and me here in Southern California. They believed that there was a God, as well over 97% of people in our world believe. So they believed that, and they even liked Jesus, but they weren't connected to him. They, they, they had to see, how can this possibly be true? One of the most surprising things when I read John chapter 20 is this. At the beginning of John chapter 20, We have people who believed in God but didn't really know Him. And at the end of chapter 20, they are alive to God. How did it happen? And I call it resurrection faith. So what is it about? I'm going to say it as as clearly as I can. What is this resurrection faith? Because I want God to make some beautiful things out of your life. And this is where it comes. Resurrection faith, first, is based upon what actually happened in this world. It's based upon what is true. See, there are many religions in our world that say that uh, it gives us a philosophy to understand our world. It's like Buddhism. 
And so you need to learn that philosophy and adhere to it and you will live. And Jesus certainly did give a philosophy to understand the world. You need to know that. And others will say that a religion is a set of moral principles, which when we commit ourselves to them and begin living that way, then uh, we'll begin to live. And I'll tell you, Jesus gave moral principles. He told us how to live. He was the only one who really lived well, lived that way. But the Christian faith is not simply a set of moral principles, nor is it a, simply a philosophy of life. The Christian faith is rooted in something that actually happened in this world. It turns to us and says, you know this world and even our own lives are not all that they should be. Amen? So someone actually came into this world to rescue us, to, to pull us out of that. And, and, and Good Friday we remember the death in our place and today we remember his resurrection and it actually happened. There were 11 appearances at least of Jesus' resurrection recorded in the New Testament. Now, you know uh, that I studied far more than I ever should have studied. And a lot of people say, a lot of scholars will say, well, this resurrection message, it's more of a metaphor. A metaphor um, that there is always hope in this world. I say it's not a metaphor, it is a reality. It is a reality. (laughs) Metaphors don't rescue us from the kinds of things that we are in. The other thing that I always read about is that, well, the disciples, they just wanted it to be so true and they wanted other people to believe it, so they made these stories up, made up by the community. And I'll tell you, that's impossible too. And let me tell you why. At least one reason why. Because if you were going to make up a story that you were trying to convince people back in the Jewish world, if you're going to try to convince them uh, that this happened, you wouldn't have had the first witness to the resurrection being Mary Magdalene. Because in their courts, women weren't even allowed to be witnesses. And Mary had had this awful, flawed past. If you're trying to just make something up to convince people, you wouldn't have chosen her. Why is Mary here? Because she was the first witness to the resurrection. That's why. That's why. And many people saw Jesus. I just want to declare to you, this resurrection is real. The faith that I have seen turning my own life around is based upon something that really happened. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Resurrection faith is based upon what happened in history. Second point. Resurrection faith is always an act of God. Um, we, We could never get there ourselves. Otherwise, we just wear ourselves out and fail anyway, right? I look at Mary. She knew her past. She had had to be forgiven. She'd had to be delivered from the evil oppression of her past. So she couldn't pretend she was perfect and could earn her way. And Thomas was an unbelieving skeptic. So I've just thought, we can't say that resurrection is based upon us becoming good enough that God says, well, I'll let you in. I love Mary didn't have to come to Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, have I at last begun living well enough that you'll accept me. No, no, no. It's while we're sinners he came and died for us. Uh, His love always goes before our love of him. Our response is just one of grateful faith. Here I am. And resurrection faith is not based upon how smart we are. 
Thomas couldn't come up to him and say, Jesus, I have this all figured out, so you've got to do something good for me. It is based upon God loving us and coming to us and saying, I know about you. He knows our names. And saying, if you will but give your life to me and surrender to me, I will make something beautiful out of your life. The issue is, he gives you a gift of grace, but will you receive it? So how do we receive it? All right, this is Easter Sunday. I have just this last point about resurrection faith. Just a few of you only give me one chance to talk with you every year. Um, I'm not going to complain about this. I'm just so glad when you come. I just rejoice that you're here. But I've got to speak plainly to you. I mean, if you come on Easter Sunday, you've got to know what it's all about, right? So we shouldn't just mince words with this. So I've been trying to figure out how to say it. So here's the way I'll say it. Resurrection faith that changes our lives, begins to make something beautiful out of our lives, involves a transfer of our trust from something in this world, or even in ourselves, a transfer of our trust from something else to Jesus. I've got one praise the Lord. I, I, I think I'm still confusing you, right? All right. Here's what made me put it that way. I have so many people say, Pastor Greg, I wish I had faith like you. But I don't have faith. And I've said this to many of you. Oh, sure you do. You have faith. We all have faith. It's just what we put it in. That, that's the issue. Thomas had faith. His faith was in his intellect. He was going to figure it out. He wasn't going to be fooled. Mary, I wonder what hers was in. Probably simply in her comfort zone. She'd been brought up in her culture to believe certain things. And, and one of those things, surely, as a wonderful Jewish woman, is that God wasn't going to be a man. That's going to take some real faith to believe that. She would have been told that couldn't happen. And that only God could forgive sins. And, and overcome death. Only God had that power. Now she's going to have to transfer... And Thomas would have to transfer their faith from something else and put it onto Jesus. And Mary did it. She took that imperfect past and her present disbelief and surrendered them to Jesus. Tom, Thomas took all of his doubt and his disbelief and he surrendered it to Jesus. Th did you notice Thomas had all of those conditions? I'm not going to believe unless. I'm not going to believe unless. And then when he saw Jesus as he is, he just says, I'm in. I'm in. My Lord and my God. That's resurrection faith. Do you see, the resurrection faith demands that we surrender control of our lives. I've got to tell you that. When we become people of faith, we say, Lord Jesus, I have all these things in my past. Will you take them? And he does. But we also say, I entrust my present and my future to you. As the Apostle Paul saw this. He, he rejoiced in Romans 8. Believe it or not, there is, he said, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. His sin's gone. Hallelujah. And then later on, he would say, but also that means my life. Now that I see this crucified and risen Jesus. I don't live any longer for myself. I live for him who died and rose again. 2 Corinthians 5. See, that is resurrection faith. And when we enter into that kind of resurrection faith, I'll tell you, 
our lives begin to be changed. They can't be the same. What kind of things should be different? I've written a few things. You can look at yourself. We should be less cranky. Less whiny, less shaken by disappointment, less seized by immorality. Now, you've got to know this changed life is a process. We're still beautiful things in the making, right? I just have to tell you this so you know what you're in for. And I also have to sort of defend myself in case you come up and say, well, this is where that sermon fell apart, Pastor Greg. Uh, We have watched you driving your car or whatever you've seen. And we have watched some of those people at Lake Avenue Church. And you guys aren't perfect. And I say, you are so right. But if you see those things, what you don't see is the raw material that God had to start with. (laughs) You don't know what we would be like if he hadn't come into our lives. But I know this. He promises that he will give himself to us and he will never give up on us. Sometimes our God is called the God of the second chance. I'll tell you, it's the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth chance. That's the God that we have. And he says, when I'm done with you, you will be conformed to the image of my son. You will be that beautiful thing that I know you can be. And you will sing with us. He makes beautiful things out of the dust. And he makes beautiful things out of us. Let me uh, really end by showing you the stories quickly of two men that we ignored, verses 3 through 9, their turning points, Peter and John. Um, Mary saw the empty tomb. She goes running back and tells the disciples. And two of them, Peter, and I think the other one was probably John who wrote this, Go running to the tomb. I think it was John because it just has this personal testimony nature about it. We went running to the tomb and I got there first. Man, doesn't that sound like us? I got there first. Peter may be the lead disciple, but I'm faster than he is. (laughs) And then in telling the story, we read it in English, but there are three words for how to see things that are used. The, The first one, when John got there first, blepo, he just saw it. Um, the empty tomb, the cloth, clothes that were there. Peter then got there and he saw, and the word is theoreo, theorized. He started thinking about this. What does this mean? And then the last one is edo. I understand. So John gets to the tomb first and he simply looks at, blepo. He, He simply looks at the fact there's clothing there and there's no body. That's all it says. He just saw it. In comes Peter. He looks at it and he says, something's happened here. Look at how those clothes are folded. Wait a minute, something has happened here. Those things were around Jesus. What's transpired? He begins to reflect on it. But by that time, neither one of them really were connected to God yet. Look at verse 9. They still didn't understand. And then in verse 8, that third word, John said, I saw. Edo. I'm in. I understand it. And I... Believe. Peter and John, they believed in God. But they weren't connected to God. But in verse 8, the moment had arrived for them to say, My Lord and my God.
This is resurrection faith. And life is never the same. What about you? You look at the claims made in the Bible, the ones that I've been making all morning. You hear me say to you, when you come to church, God knows your name. He knows everything in your past and He loves you in spite of what's there. And now He asks you to believe in Him. Does the coin drop? Are you willing to say, I am in? May this Easter 2012 be the time that you say, I see it. I am in. I am going to follow Jesus. Look at the last two verses of that great, great chapter. John will say, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that through believing, resurrection faith, through believing, you may come alive. You may have life in his name. And so today I tell you, this Easter sermon, there are so many other things that I could have preached today. But I have preached these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you will have something beautiful made out of your life. You will have life through His name. So at the end of the service, what I want you to do is to take out this Easter celebration card. I would like us all to take one out. I'd like us all to fill it out. Um, Perhaps you want to check some of those early boxes. Maybe you'd like to know more about this church family. Become one of the imperfect ones being made beautiful. (laughs) Maybe you would like some information about this personal connection with Jesus. Or maybe you already know today the coin has dropped. I had a number of people walk through the door at the end and told me that. I'm in. Or perhaps there's a renewed commitment. And then if you just put your name in any contact info that would help us, I would appreciate it. Because I declare to you this Easter... 2012, that God does make beautiful things out of the dust. And He can make something beautiful out of you and me. Why am I so sure? Because on Good Friday, this same Jesus, the only one who lived without sinning, He died on the cross and said, What I am doing is enough to provide forgiveness of your sins, and it's for all who will trust me. And yet the evil and death could not hold him. So on Sunday, he defeated sin, he defeated evil, he defeated death through a resurrection. I declare to you, it's true. I want you to believe the good news. The grave is empty, and Jesus is risen He is risen. He is risen. Let us give praise to him.